Welcome to Bad Dad's Film Review, the podcast that knows that you once felt a hand touch your leg while you were on the tube and you grabbed it and you shouted, whose hand is this? And it turned out to be your own. <laughs> In yet another tumultuous week, I really couldn't start the show without referring to fur-covered semi-naked shaman Jake Angeli, a.k.a. Q Backer who helped to storm Capitol Hill with an army of rednecks he found in a Walmart car park. With the Capitol building that day left defended by a SEAL team composed entirely of Paul Blart clones, we can at least enjoy the delightful <laughs> irony of Q supporters branding him an Antifa mole. On this side of the Atlantic, no less dramatic scenes in Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park this weekend, where it's all gone off like shoes in a mosque. Yes, inflatable blonde idiot and part-time UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is currently embroiled in a controversy over cycling rules during lockdown. So we also, you know, can drop gems like a one-armed African child. Uh, as ever, it's me, Reeks, and I'm joined this week by the best friend you never had, Sidey. Hi. And the annoying friend you never wanted, Howie. Yeah, it's not my fault. A man whose face looked like it had been chiselled out of wood by someone who learned sculpture through a correspondence course and gave up around lesson three. I was thinking I looked more like uh, that clay model from Lionel Richie's uh, Hello video. <laughs> yeah. that. The, the, the blind woman, the blind woman sculpts and it isn't at all creepy that she then feels his face and she's got shit all over her hands. This is how I see you. She was sculpting with turds. <laughs> Didn't you follow that course? <laughs> no, I missed that one. Since the collapse of the education system in this dystopian pandemic, that's one of the options, sculpting with turds. It's a new series that's going to be shown on BBC they, Country. Yeah, Club. on CBeebies with Tom Hardy. Yeah, Joe Wicks is going to be rubbing it all over his bollocks as he does the splits. <laughs> Do you see that? Well, this Bez. has gone to places I never thought it would. <laughs> Bez, Bez is doing an online daily fitness thing to rival Joe Wicks, which yeah, sounds fucking amazing. I want yeah, to be a part it, of that. It looks somewhat frantic. Yeah. Do you remember when Bez was actually kind of, he was actually kind of cool and not just this sort of ridiculous, it's, like... It's always been ridiculous and that's the coolness of it. His credit in like, yeah, all the I album sleeves was just vibes. Just, just bringing the vibes. Yeah. <laughs> that prick from the Capitol riots thingy, the... What's yeah, Jamiroquai. Yeah, I read that Nazi Nazi He is effectively on hunger strike because they're not providing organic food to him, so he's refusing to eat. <laughs> yeah, what a pain! Oh my god! Yeah, all fun and games. Yeah, well, did you hear about the guy? Uh, one of the guys who died. How he how he had achieved that feat by tasering himself <laughs> yep, in the bullet. Yes, he was trying to. He was yes. attempting to steal something off the wall and <laughs> tasered himself in the nuts and had a heart attack. Good effort. Wow. You fucking prick. Yeah. <laughs> so 20% of the people who died that day died by tasering themselves in the balls. It's what he would have wanted. It's the way he wanted to go. It's the way yeah. I wanted him to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody seen anything good this week? My kids have been watching Futurama. And oh, okay. I thought, yeah, that's good. And I didn't, re 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 didn't realise there are some episodes of Futurama that are really not kid appropriate. Like properly not kid appropriate. There's one where they get taken in by these Amazonian women who yeah. basically shag them and break their pelvises. And yeah. I was like, I caught the kids watching it halfway through and was like, and we're going off. <laughs> but they were basically sex slaves on a planet, weren't they? And did you yeah. ever crank one out to that or just uh, no, no? What no? Well, no. when it happens to you, it's it, it's not very nice, yeah. and and it's and it's hard to maintain any form of eroticism like you would if you were 
looking at something like Gillian Anderson dressed as Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. yeah you I see your uh, fetish has gone mainstream way. now, hasn't it? <sighs> yeah, I'm a left wing, left wing pervert, according to that link. <laughs> own yeah. it. Just own yep. it. Embrace it. It's the big thing. Gillian yeah. Yeah. Anderson uh, as Margaret Thatcher is the big wank challenge for the lefty. Yeah, speaking we'll of... the righty. <laughs> completely unrelated topics. We had a top five to complete, which we, we had did. some nominations, and one in particular stood out. Do yes, you know which one I that's right. There were a few nominations, but yeah. Darren Leithleaf managed to find us uh, a three-hour cut. The original cut of Uncle Buck was always going to win this. There is a... It includes sort of mostly sort of extensions to existing scenes, but there is a 10 minute unused and unfinished segment where Uncle Buck invites his gambling buddies over to the house, which you can see on YouTube. The quality of the footage is not amazing, but you can see John Candy footage you've probably never seen before. So that's quite good. Oh, it's in. So yeah, that one's in. And we didn't have any comedy. So, you know, it needed a bit of levity in our list. I don't know. After three hours, that might drag a bit. (laughs) <laughs> well there's only one so. way to find out this week how are you did all the nominating we got some stuff to look forward to or shy away from yeah uh well one, one of them isn't brighton rock so we're good we'll continue that theme we got three billboards outside of ebbing missouri yeah and for the for the kids we've got we can be heroes i'll do that for, for dan that's, that's that's my contribution for dan though. connery wasn't in this movie no, neither was his, Sadly neither, not. neither was his slightly West Indian Welsh relative. And I went for the top list. So this week we are going to be looking at worst special effects in movie history. Alrighty, worst VFX in movie history. I should point out that my cousin is quite a highly regarded VFX artist. And if you said to him the phrase special effects, he would stab you in the face. He has They have a oh, thing right. like that, apparently. It's VFX. It's strictly VFX, visual effects, not special effects. I don't know. It's the kind of thing you get snooty about right. if you work do in they, that do they, sort of field. Do you think they associate special effects with like an explosion or something? Like something I don't know. I, I don't know. It, well, we're going to try and get him on one day because he's currently working on the Marvel's Eternals movie. He's the lead VFX guy on that. So he'd be cool to talk to. But Harry, this is your and topic. He's doing the special effects on that. He is, yeah. yeah. Special needs I'm going to kick... <laughs> Every day for me is a worse special effect when I look in the fucking mirror. I'm going to start off with Mummy Returns and... Whenever I look at this, I despair because you see Dwayne Johnson as the Scorpion King. Mm. It looks like a PS2 generated intergame sequence that's slightly gone wrong because someone's scratched the disc. They've clearly stole some weird model idea from a centaur beast, then added some claws on that look like it's just been, I don't know, cut off of Deadliest Catch. And then like a weird rubber dummy mask like Crichton out of Red Dwarf that they've tried to like shave into what looking like Dwayne Johnson. It is it fucking terrible. Really felt like the money ran out when they came to do this bit. Yeah, it did. Because the Scorpion King itself is... Um, uh, the actual Scorpion King, when you go to the Scorpion King film where they've got a bit of cash, they've actually done a quite a good job. This is utterly abysmal. 
I wonder what it's like for the director when he sits down and, and reviews the footage mm. and he sees it. And he, I mean, he can't be sitting there going, well, that looks photo realistic. <laughs> that's uh, one exactly. for the cinema. Yeah, exactly that's going to look how great. I wanted it. He's, yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to look tremendous on a 20 foot high screen and an IMAX. That's going to yeah. be amazing. No one will tell. It's fucking terrible. Like you, I think you were going to say, Sidey, I enjoyed that film, apart from the stupid little fucking kid that's in it that never acted again. Yeah, he um, is annoying. I think it's probably impossible to talk about this subject without talking about Bruce, which was the name that was given to the shark in Jaws. And it mostly, when you see it, sort of flails around like a limp penis, I think. (laughs) It's really incredible that this movie turned out the way that it did. And a lot of that is down to the way that Werner Fields edited the movie round the terrible special effect uh, that you never really saw but was universally despised. It may have even been the originator of that kind of, you don't see the monster or slasher until the end of the movie type feel to it. So yeah, an absolutely incredible one. The subject of lots of jokes, including the absolute corker in Back to the Future 2, where the shark comes out of the cinema and all that sort of thing. But yeah, just terrible, terrible special effect, but an iconic, it, it came together to create an iconic atmosphere. Yeah, it was still a completely triumphant movie in spite of it, whereas mm. some of the others that we'll probably talk about are less so. And for mine... Well, maybe ones- b- because of it. That's that's the yeah, thing yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe because of it, because they had to edit their way around the shark. They did loads of point of view stuff. There was probably loads of shots chosen that mm. they wouldn't have done otherwise if yeah. they'd had access yeah. to it. So it's really, you know... Made them work harder. Mm. A lot of the stuff I've got on here, I would I was going to start off by saying that I haven't picked like really old stuff, really old movies, like old sort of stop motion things like that, because of, because the technology was different. But then I look at my list and I think that a lot of the stuff I have picked is probably shit because the technology wasn't good enough at that point. So something like let's go straight in with Jar Jar Binks in the Phantom Menace, yeah. Not, yeah just a horrendous sort of racial stereotype irritating and completely pointless character but the cgi character you can see that the 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 human actors don't really know where to look it's the first time people have had to sort of act against a completely computer generated character and you can see that the interaction it, it doesn't feel genuine it doesn't work and is that just a hateful well i'd say that's also well, I'd say that's also down to some poor acting because, what, 15 years previous to that, you've got Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Bob Hoskins, you don't get any of that. He's had, he was one of the first to do a complete film where there's probably only maybe one or two other actual humans in the mainstream of the film. True, Whereas true. at least Star Wars had various characters. I'm just thinking about that now. But yeah, I had Jar Jar Binks on there. And if you watch it, it's... It is. There's there's this line of vision from the actor's eyes that doesn't yeah. match. So I don't, I don't know if they had a bloke in a, in a, a tennis suit, ball or something. You know, like a skin type, yeah, tennis ball type of thing. I mean, it's t- it's a tough ask for the actors, especially you know, a lot of the shots were done on green screens as well. So yeah. you're acting in a room. You know, you've only got the props in your hand probably, and you're staring at two like tennis balls in the sky. So, <laughs> but it just doesn't work, and it's a clusterfuck of design. And execution, really. Yes, terrible one. I did actually have one more from Star Wars. If can we just pile into Star Wars now? Yeah, I've got more. I've got more. Um, Yeah, 
I, the, I mean, you can obviously say basically everything that was put in when Star Wars was Star Wars was re-released in 1997 and yeah. 2005. Jabba. Jabba. Jabba is the one. It's just ridiculous. You know, they superimpose the CGI Jabba, who is not at all the same dimensions as the Jabba you see later in the film. And then there's an awful moment that they had to get around where he Harrison Ford walks round Jabba, and obviously yeah, on the day it was filmed with an actor, so it's terrible. He stands on his tail, and Jabba does a like stupid. It's the worst bit. It just didn't need to be in there. Adds nothing. Yeah, I don't know what terrible they were trying effects. to prove. I don't know if it was supposed to be. Oh, look! Look how much technological advancement we made. But it didn't look like that. It just looked like a real ham-fisted pointless attempt to shoe on something in i don't know what the thought process was of why it didn't need to be there it added nothing it just looked shit and it just highlighted all the other bits yeah. in it that you didn't want to see don't i also don't like the the changes they made to Jabba's palace with that with max rebo you well know, they the, screwed the, the song up didn't they they, yeah. they fucked the song up and they also took the, the fucking ewok song out which we had a conversation on yep, no. about yep no, yeah it was removed that's not a special effect thing that's just another irritant Well, it sort of was because Lucas Lucas said he wanted to add more gravitas at the end of Star Wars with all the scenes of the Empire being toppled, and he he didn't think that having Yub Nub over the top of it would would help. But (laughs) I disagree. Yeah, so do I vehemently. I'm going to go for Air Force One. Um, Air Force One with um, Harrison Ford playing the ex Vietnam veteran who stops his playing because he's the president now getting hijacked by a traitorous secret service guy and Gary Oldman from I think he's from Kazakhstan but there is a particular (laughs) scene in there where at the end where Air Force One crashes into the sea at the end and it is fucking atrocious because they do this terrible zoom in on the open door and you see the secret service guy who's the traitor doing a oh no and then the plane does like a weird it looks like a mid-90s microsoft flight simulator <laughs> where you, you you the 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 plane goes slightly square hits the water that's solid and square and then sinks a bit and then there is like a splash and then it does a few flips and then there's like a, an iphone style iMovie explosion effect added to it and you go and it just looks fucking terrible it really is terrible it's like it's a proper we've run out of money on this film we can do this scene don't worry about it i'll just uh, load up the amiga the as the a500 whatever the fuck it was oh i'm playing sensible soccer on it no, don't worry just cut that off and put this film thing on <laughs> one of my real pet peeves is cgi blood spatter or gunfire where that's added in later i really hate that and the the expendables 2 is a particularly egregious oh. example especially given the list of action stars that are involved in that yeah. movie who've all used practical yeah. effects and squibs which is obviously <laughs> the way we should do it as we all know the fugitive has an amazing swan dive it, it had a, a 40 a budget of 44 million which is not inconsiderable back in 1993 but when he swan dives off the hoover dam in the sort of iconic piece then it just turns into a dummy i mean it's really really obvious you think like could they not try a bit is, harder is it, is it like the simpsons where homer goes uh, to fake his was, own death and chucks a corpse thinking, off the top of the waterfall i was just thinking of that because millhouse does the same scene in the um, radioactive man episode doesn't he if he, he, he yeah. jumps off the, it's yeah. fucking brilliant. these goggles they do nothing <laughs> 
one more to submit is the Moustache of Steel, um, oh, which is Henry Cavill's. Thanks to his very busy schedule when it came to doing reshoots for Justice League, I think it was. Yeah. Cavill, who'd already committed to film Mission Impossible Fallout, had a, quite frankly, very strong moustache, which they then edited out afterwards. And it, it looks really weird and oddly inhuman, the moustache. And you'd think that removing a moustache would be a fairly trivial job for a decent visual effects person, but apparently it's not because he looks really odd. So hang on, sorry, I think, he, had the, he, he had the moustache for what? Yeah. Superman? No. So when he went to do reshoots, he had the moustache for Mission Impossible. Oh, so he's doing reshoots right. in the Superman suit with oh the moustache, which I really wish I'd seen <laughs> photos of. It would have been That's amazing. Brilliant, brilliant. It looks Mercury. like yeah. if we'd had a go at digitally removing it, it probably would have been about as good. Like that's yeah. Or yeah. Paintbrush, if, using paintbrush. If, and if you're watching... Crime Watch program, and you have to blur out someone's face. It kind of looks halfway like that, like it's just <laughs> just not quite blurred out his face totally. And it's right at the very start of the movie. A little girl. It opens the movie, doesn't speaks it? Speaks to him, and he says something to her, and you should at that point go, "Wow!" and just turn turn it off and not watch anymore because it's a great early signal <laughs> for how fucking shit a film can be. And it is a fucking turkey that one. I will obviously get suckered into watching the thingy on hbo max when it yeah, gets of course you will. done but confidence is not yeah. high for that one either well you just t- stolen Sorry. that one off me so i'll go for the matrix reloaded which is the, is that the you're gonna the, say the brawl aren't you i am gonna say the brawl i still think that's really cool it's not it's not cool it's the opposite of cool <laughs> the agent smith having been bested a few times has the cunning plan to have a million agent smiths fight neo and it becomes very, very clearly no longer Keanu Reeves. It's a CGI manifestation of him. And it's another one of the yeah. PlayStation-looking graphics shit fight. It's, just, it's, it's a really ambitious scene that just, in my opinion, because like Simon's looking at me like, what, you're a prick, but it's just not executed very no, well. No, I just... It, I don't really like the sequels I anyway. I still really love that scene. Hmm, not for me, that one. It just doesn't look. It doesn't look believable. I know none of it is believable, believable, but it's. It doesn't look like humans anymore. It's just nah. Yeah, it's like a video game, and it's got yeah. that weightless, floaty feeling mm. that was also at the beginning of Blade Two. If you oh, it's just this. Riggs is just stealing everyone's bloody stuff. <laughs> well, I was going to say Blade Two scene between um, him and the vampire princess yeah. while she's the ninja, and yeah. it, but you've summed it up correctly. The weightlessness and the fluidity of the movement makes it look like a computer game that's just painful. It doesn't look like a human that's say being articulated through wires or or actually doing it. It, it just looks like because the form of the body loses uh, its context and it just looks utter, utter drivel, utter drivel. Yeah. I like Blade 2, actually, apart from that. Yeah, it's great. And the guy takes off his ninja hat and it's like, oh, it's the cat from from Red Red Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Danny John Jewel. I'm a big fan of all the Blade films. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a bit mad, hasn't he? I don't know, but it's... Let's just say that. He's stormed Capitol Hill. (laughs) or his nephew or something plays for Arsenal Youth. So there you go. Okay. I should have said this at the time we were talking about Bruce, but other sharks, yeah. which are a disaster for CGI, I've got a couple here. Deep Blue Sea, 
Yeah. But there's the whole scene where it jumps out the water and savages Samuel L. Jackson. That's brilliant. horrendous. It's a brilliant scene. Yeah, I, I like well, the it, film. I, I just think it's fun, harmless fun, but it's just guff. It's he's doing his guff. he's doing and, his big motivational speech and he goes on and it's quite rousing yeah. and the the yeah, the music, the background mm. is building up as he's giving this, you know, rousing speech to the troops. And then a, we will a, win. Yeah. A cartoon shark jumps out of the water and bites him. <laughs> and the, and the, but the acting, the acting afterwards is fucking yeah. drastic. Because I watched the clip again last night. Yeah, and the reactions of the—it's just so fucking shit. Yeah. But the shark jumps out, grabs him, and then the next effect is the shark going back. But Samuel L. Jackson's still all in one piece, and he's falling backwards. So it's just like, oh, we, oh shit, we haven't, we can't animate him being bitten in half. Right, we'll we'll fudge this. We'll just sort uh, that out later. Yeah. And the other ones is obviously Sharknado and Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D is a good one. I always remember <laughs> just how bad that is. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's even before 3D tech was as shit as it is now. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Lawnmower Man. Oh, um, with Pierce Brosnan. With Pierce Brosnan. Stephen King is not a fan of the Lawnmower Man movie as it depicts basically a guy running around a really ridiculously bad computerized landscape avenging himself against max hedrum yes so yeah. um, <laughs> it's, just, it's not a great the one law, was the lawnmower man about the same time as tron no no tron would have been earlier after. than the lawnmower That's what man I mean. yeah it's like 92 i think lawnmower yeah. man tron was like 80s yeah, but yeah, very early 80s. Early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a good yeah. one. Actually, while you've said that, Tron, but Tron Legacy, the 2010 one, the Jeff no. Bridges Oh, I like Tron redo. Legacy. I think it's uh, good. And Well, I, I quite like the movie. I really love the soundtrack. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. It but is, the CGI Jeff Bridges is weird. Well, okay, I've got yeah, a note. Yeah, there's a whole world of that. I've got a note that just says, any kind of de-aging in any movie ever. Mm. I yeah, just don't yeah. like it. Doesn't I think work. Robert Downey Jr. worked in Avengers, didn't it? Mm. One that the... here's one for you. Spoilers. Have you you've both seen the end of the Mandalorian, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Mark Hamill. Yeah, Mark he Hamill looked a bit weird, didn't he? Yeah. They it's yeah. like they can only, and and uh, what's her face Carrie Fisher as well in the Star Wars films. Yeah. The the, the de aging for that is it's like they can only say a few words. It's basically like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall. You know, ah, oh, I'm here on holiday, and the the woman's head goes. <laughs> That's all they can manage. Just one stock phrase, and then the CGI falls apart. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, going to be slightly controversial here. I can I know you're not you're going to rally against this one, but Ghostbusters two. The Statue of Liberty animation. I don't oh, like. Okay, the close-up well, is like face. a dude in a dress, isn't it? Basically, just walking along. Yeah, but it, even it's like the massive down. feet on the on the thing. It just it's shit. It's a really shit end to the film, I think. <laughs> oh. And I don't I don't like all that positivity nonsense anyway. It's just, but the, you're right. The bit with the, the yeah. dude just in a dress. It's just it's fucking poo. Really, really shit. Yeah, it doesn't look very good. It doesn't look very good. I thought you might shout at me for that one, but okay. I'm, I'm happy with that reaction. I'm going to go for the monkeys in Jumanji. The face of all the monkeys looks like a squirrel and a bratish child with someone stamped on. No. The, the, they seem to have got the the motion. They spent all their budget on getting the motion and all the artists were obviously drawing the limbs and, the, and, the, and the, how they move, but they forgot about the fact that they don't look like just fucking ginger twattish kids because they're just 
just got gingery facial hair, massive weird eyes and a, a stumpy nose. And it's like, that's not a fucking monkey. That's a kid I used to bully at school. That is not it. <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately, uh, monkeys in Jumanji. Robocop has loads of brilliant CGI, but one scene that doesn't is when Dick Jones falls out of the OCP building and his arms are weirdly about, you know, three times <laughs> the length of his body for for absolutely no reason really so it's a really terrible bit in the first scene of casino robert de niro really and rather conspicuously transforms into a mannequin just before the car blows up (laughs) right i'm gonna have to to look for that there's a an absolutely cracking combination of awful special effects and crappy editing in the otherwise brilliant the untouchables when elliot ness dispatches the white-suited assassin frank nitty he shoves him off the, the building and yeah. then because the editing's so bad, he falls for about an hour and a half. Oh, it does. Uh, yeah. Cut between really bad green screen. But it does, that scene does give us the great line, where's Nitty? He's in the car, which is a good one. <laughs> the, uh, the Superman 4, the quest for peace, where they're oh, fighting got it. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the nuclear guy. And oh, you can yeah. see like their capes are blowing and stuff. I mean, it's really stupid. And well, you're also, what are you trying yeah. to say? That it's fake? You can Fake also see language. you can see black curtains in the background moving around on the whatever stage they're standing yeah. on. Oh my god! Didn't yeah. he get his power when the sun came up? Nuclear man. Is that what Nuclear Man had? Nuclear yeah, man. Nuclear. So he should if Superman just sort of slept during the day, fuck him up at night. The, but the, the sun Plot is hole. always up Spoiler. when you can fly, isn't it? I mean, well, I've got another yeah, Superman one, which is the 1978 original Superman. And it's where the Hoover Dam s- sequence, yeah, where you can, if you look very closely or just have your eyes open, <laughs> you can tell that it's <laughs> quite clearly a miniature model that's being destroyed, <laughs> not actually real it life. It just looks like somebody's zoomed in on a train set. Yeah, Basically, yeah. It? It's about it's as really complex bad. as that. Yeah. It's a real shame because the rest of it is, or certainly was, excellent. Well, I've got two more I wanted to talk about tonight, but that's it. I've got what, my last one, and it's a shocker. It, I think it could be the worst one. Kite surfing James Bond in <laughs> Die Another Day, the worst yeah. of all Bond films ever with Pierce Brosnan. I put a note, it's so bad, I remember watching it in the cinema and someone saying out loud, my God, that looks shit. <laughs> and like, she said it really loud. Just, and, uh, it just made everyone just chuckle. And it's him kite surfing down a wave. It's clearly not him. It's clearly not a real wave anyway. It looks it's even like, like a, a glacier. wave. Yeah, it's just fucked. It's just completely fucked up. It looks... It, it's just a proper it, it tragic ending terrible. to it. Yeah, it looks really bad. Watch and it on also, YouTube. It's kind of got that vibe of like, because Pierce Brosnan was sort of knocking on at this point. Well, it was his last one. And I think, it's like, it? you know, oh, here he is. He's Bond's still cool. He surfs. It's a bit he's, like, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's your, 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 your sad uncle, like going, oh, come on, guys, let's go down the beach for a surf. But the bit yeah. where he actually finishes the surfing and it, because he's on a parachute, it's like, well, I don't know what they fucking call that. But he lands and then he he comes to on what you know what's gone from really shit CGI to obviously live action and he just calmly lands not out of breath you know it's just so the transition is appalling oh. like not just the effect but yeah. bringing you back into <laughs> it it's it's absolute horseshit well done that could have been the death allowing that the Bond films well it would never because it makes so much money but <laughs> 
that was the best when i watch these things i think that was the best version of that that you could put on screen fucking hell well done yeah and the I'm... invisible car was shit in Die Another oh, Day as well. Oh, it was well. awful, wasn't it? Like, who, who wants to watch <laughs> that fly, flying around the cinema, you know, like a blurry bit of well, screen? Well, have, you haven't seen Wonder Woman 84 yet, have you? No. Oh, the invisible jet, isn't it? Is invisible, the invisible jet in it? Invisible jet, yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't know it was um, in there. Yeah, it's in there. I've got a couple more. I Am Legend, which has... The opening of the movie, well, not opening, but the first half of the movie, I actually really enjoy. And I'm not really a huge Will Mm. Smith fan, but the deserted sort of New York landscape, brilliant. And then when you do finally see the zombies, it's such a letdown. They are just a generic kind Mm. of rubber looking. Mm, I think the the mannequins that he was talking to in the shops had more life about them than this. They're just really (laughs) not even as good as Resident Evil. Oh, snap. It's just poo. Yeah. Yeah. Stinker. No, I was like talking a- about Resident Evil on the PlayStation One. <laughs> <laughs> no, a decent, a decent first hour and a fucking terrible finale. Absolute poo. There's two endings for that film, isn't there? There's the one where I think he dies, and then another one where he doesn't gives die. The, it's, it, uh, no, he. I think he makes friends with the fucking lunatic. Well, no, the zombie, the leader of the zombies comes in and retrieves one of the bodies that he's been experimenting on because it was his wife when he wasn't a zombie. And I think it's supposed to be a bit like the end of the Twilight Zone. Turns out the bad guy was man all along. Oh, God. That sort of thing. Hmm. Any more from you, Riggs? Yeah, I've got Hercules in New York, which was an Arnie Schwarzenegger (laughs) gem. It features him fighting a bear although the bear is clearly just a man in a bear suit <laughs> i need to see um, this <laughs> it's, it's really awful it's on youtube it's just put arnie wrestles bear you'll be right there still probably better than the revenant i've not seen that yet. and then a movie that actually i really like the revenant so i don't know why i said that it's a good movie 1957's the giant claw aka the mark of the claw now sidey i know you said about you know not looking back with derision at old stuff, but this was shit even at the time. Uh, this is from Columbia, which had made huge hits like Lawrence of Arabia and Jason and the Argonauts, but they outsourced the special effects to a small-time Mexican company with results that were highly embarrassing, embarrassing even at the time. The, the plot of the movie is that a giant vulture-like bird from outer space has an antimatter shield around it, which which makes it invisible on radar. It destroys some well-known landmarks in Washington and New York. It's just, you have to see it to believe it. Even as a kid watching this stuff, I couldn't stop laughing when you finally see the reveal of the giant claw. It's not supposed to be funny, but it just looks like a giant turkey. Uh, it's really bad. And then when you rack in the rest of the film that's got dialogue like that bird is extraterrestrial it comes from outer space and it's as big as a battleship yeah it's it's a terrible movie a terrible special effect i do urge you to look up a still from the great claw just to see this miracle and yet this is probably the only film in cinema history to star a giant prehistoric extraterrestrial united nations hating rubber chicken so points Uh, for that I've got finally The Abyss, which is a really, really good movie with great effects. The reveal of the alien spaceship at the end of The Abyss is just uh, a very sad anticlimax for me. 
Yeah. yeah, and it's just come after that really tense scene where he has to fill up his lungs with the pink liquid, hasn't it? And he's gone right yeah. to the bottom of the Mariana bottom, Trench. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also the Hulk film from 2003. Yeah, that's that. a good one. Yeah, that, I forgot about that. The Hulk himself is a bit but kind of sh- rubbish, but the final battle with Nick Nolte as a sort of oh, cloud yeah. monster thing is, is especially shit. Um, not surprised they haven't tried to do another Hulk movie, even though they have sort of got it right these days. I just don't think a whole movie, maybe not. I still quite like the Ang Lee. Well, it's just, well there's, there's this thing, isn't there? They say they say he works better as a supporting character, not as a, you can't carry him yeah. in his yeah. own, right? Yeah. All right, then let's uh, whittle it down. Riggs, are you going to put in? I'm going to put in the giant claw just because more people have to see this. I'm going to put in Die Another Day, the kite surfing bond, because it's so bad and it's so cynically devised as we've just said i'm gonna put in the mummy returns nice and howie do you want to chuck in another as it's your category i will go for one that really annoyed me which was the blade 2 the fight scene between the blade vampire. and yeah. the vampires because it ultimately i enjoy the blade franchise i enjoyed the film but that's coming back it just jumps into something it is is it yeah. Wesley's it's Wesley at Attacks Hell. No, it's got Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Kudos for pronouncing his name correctly. Yeah. So we've got Blade 2, Mummy Returns, The Giant Claw, and Die Another Day. Uh, and I think we've had several nominations online already. So good stuff. Yeah. This week's main feature was nominated by Howie and it I reckon it was a cynical nomination on the basis that it won a load of awards correct no genuinely hadn't heard of it before and I do mine based on the rule of tightness (laughs) i.e is this film free because I subscribe to enough shit as it is and this came up as the first thing that was free on prime I'd heard the classic words from my wife. Oh, I've seen that. It's quite good. So she said that was my that was my barometer for excellence. She didn't say that for some of the films that I've chosen. But yeah, so this is Mildred Hayes. Frances McDormand is devastated after the rape and murder of her daughter. Months later, she protests and challenges the police officials played by Sam Rockwell and Woody. Now, I can't say his name. Is it Harlson or Harrelson? Harrelson. Just Harrelson. keep trying. Just, that's the name of my sex tape. When they fail to capture the culprit by renting three billboards on the outskirts of town. On each of the billboards is a red background with bold black letters asking on each with various sentences why nothing has been done for the basically the horrific death by Chief Willoughby played by Woody Harrelson and it provokes much consternation and anger through the town and despite the context for the storyline this is a quite a, an amusing film in places yeah. it's obviously awful topic but it's it's played fantastically by Frances McDormand it, the unyielding willpower of her throughout and her motivation which at various points are questioned for its validity by the community, her abusive ex-husband, who's fucking horrible, her son, the police, and finally herself. And some 
as Sidey said, this got a lot of awards, which I found out afterwards, genuinely. And you can tell why. Her acting is tremendous throughout this. She is brilliant. And there's quite a few stars in there. Sam Rockwell as Dixon, I think, gives one of his best performances. And we'll go into that as we go through the film. It's both shocking in places, but quite quirky. And the it, it was something I found myself kind of getting gradually drawn into with well i was stuff. i was aware of the film this was this definitely fit into the category of one that i missed when you know yeah what, what we're meant to do so i was aware of what the plot was vaguely but i wasn't expecting it to have the humor in it that it did have yeah this um, is martin a uh, martin mcdonough film yeah and he did in bruges and Seven Psychopaths, which are oh, also... Right. And In Bruges is absolutely a fantastic yes. movie. Yeah, yeah. Really good. I didn't realise that. Yeah. And I think that's what... Because it, it is funny, even though it's definitely not a comedy. No. Some of the, the one-liners that... They're amazing. Uh, ...that Mildred just spits out are quite incredible. Yeah. She's so got, she's got obviously a massive amount of anger within her, but she... She has also these just cutting one-liners that she delivers throughout the movie that are just brilliant, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, Some choice swear words. There's a lot of C-bombs. In, well, a lot more C-bombs than I was expecting. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Right right at the get-go, she, when yeah. she goes to the... So the, the film opens with, with driving past the, the, the aforementioned billboards and then she, you can see her, the cogs turning as she stares up at these things. And then she marches straight into the Ebbing advertising agency and says, right, so I can put anything up there as long as it's not defamation or swearing. I think the fella just says, well, yeah. Yeah, it's red. So you can't say fuck shit or cunt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and, I mean, red at the start doesn't even realise that there are three billboards that are vacant. He's like, what? What? Just to look it up in his book, didn't he? It's a- yeah. Well, it, it's a backwater road, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of in the middle of nowhere, only 500 yards away from where... It's off the bypass. Where they live and where the body was found. Yeah. So the, the, the titular billboard, she puts up on them, raped while dying and still no arrests. How come, Chief Willoughby? It's quite stark and powerful. It's, it's the black text on a red background the billboards yeah. themselves are very big it's not it's something you're going to drive past and notice yeah which the town does particularly the dentist bill yeah the, <laughs> the oh, dentist man, yeah. That's oh, fucking hell. yeah so if you are if you're a bit squeamish of the dentist the scene where mildred goes to the dentist and takes the drill and drills through his finger, his thumbnail, his fingernail, thumbnail, yeah. thumbnail, thumbnail. is high on the squick factor. He fucking deserved it though. Mm, yes. Yeah. It was, considering I went to the dentist today, I did not need to have that in my mind. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> but she's brought into for questioning about the bill, well, ostensibly about drilling the hole through the dentist's thumb, but it never really comes up again, I don't think. so. She gets away with a lot in this film. She does. But during the interview, Bill, the terrific Woody, how do you pronounce it? How is it? Harlson? Woody Harrelson. (laughs) He was was incredible in this. He was really, really good. He was, wasn't he? He really was. And he coughs up blood. 
all over Mildred, right into her face, actually. Yeah. And, yeah, and instead of reacting in a you fucking asshole sort of way, she realises that... that the well, everyone knows, her, don't they? Yeah. Everyone in, in the town knows, which is why there's a lot of sympathy for him, even though there would also be a lot of sympathy for her, having yeah. gone through what she's gone through. But everyone... He he seems to be the one decent cop in the in the crew. The rest of them are, well, maybe not the rest of them, but the ones that we're introduced to. There's certainly a bit of certainly one oh. massively racist character, and yeah. I suspect probably quite a few others. Yeah. Well, so, you see, there's yeah. they actually discuss this, don't they? Because and and it's one of the things. It's that feeling of inappropriateness. There's a really uncomfortable line where Bill, where Harrelson says. You get rid of every cop with vaguely racist leanings. You'd have three cops left, and all of them would hate the fags. Um, it, which is just a you know, it's yeah. kind of funny the way he says it and the sentiment, but obviously what underlies it is absolutely awful, especially yeah. at the current situation that America's finding itself in. In the police force, there was in the police station there was a chap who was like front of desk. Mm, um, who was, was that it, guy? Was he the guy in High Fidelity? He works in the records. He's like in the no. record store. No, no, I got that wrong. I okay. recognised the guy though. I did recognise him, but I couldn't play. I couldn't place him. Okay. To look it up. Yeah. So we are around this point introduced to Dixon. Oh dear. Which is Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Who plays kind of a cliche? Really, he's the hick redneck cop with clear racist tendencies they have some exchange about she says you were beating up he tortured a black man in while he was in custody didn't he yeah and he says no i tortured a man of color so (laughs) (laughs) fuck it's definitely an air of anything goes in this town if you're a policeman you can get away with whatever you want there's no one to answer to well, there's guys. there's this strange kind of ecosystem, isn't there, where they're policing people, and then at night everybody from the town is in the bar getting yeah. plastered, yeah. and the, you know the, the police themselves are more drunk than anybody else. So mm. Dixon, but, especially Willoughby, is hospitalised, then leaves the hospital and goes on this sort of idyllic picnic with his wife and kids. One last uh, good day. I, I have to say, I was fucking blindsided by this. I yeah, it's yeah. I, I didn't see it coming at all. The missus left the room. She she was fucking in bits, to be honest. Yeah. So he's clearly got terminal, I think, was it pancreatic cancer? Pancreatic yeah, cancer, yeah. yeah. And he is not willing to subject his family to the final months of just misery. And, and so he has sex with his missus. He's put the kids to bed. He goes, she asks him to go and sort out the horses so he goes out there and then for me i don't know if you guys were like this but i from nowhere just pulls out a hood puts it over his head and i'm straight away i'm like oh no and it just says on you've it's got a message attached to the front of the hood which says mm. don't pull off the hood just call the boys and he just takes a gun to his head and pulls the trigger and uh fucking hell <laughs> it was a real shocker Yes, well, there's a few powerful moments in this movie, and this was certainly one of them. You you felt that he was the sort of only thread of civility running through yeah. this redneck police station, so you fear instantly for that. But also, I think there the movie is kind of at pains to point out that he's not responsible for the lack of progress on the case. It's been a bit of a mixed bag of evidence that they've had, and 
that sort of thing. Um, well, yeah, he's he's pointed out that the police have done everything within their rights and powers to get what they can, but it's just a case of it's one of those. It genuinely is one of those events that they can't find an explanation or a culprit for and you start to see that doubt creep into her head a little bit that she is not justified in having these billboards but again it, she then reverts back to well this has got to be done this has got to be kept in the public eye and to top it off once he's killed himself the next day he's written letters for everyone and one of the mm. letters that's been written is for her and it is a really funny dark letter about how he's paid for an extra month's worth of rent for the billboard i hope this makes you feel guilty but you know you probably won't because it makes me laugh of, yeah he yeah, absolves her of all yeah. responsibility he says you know this was not a factor in it basically it was as simple i guess as that he didn't want his family to have to go through but the, the letter itself was delivered of... the letter was delivered by his widow yes it was yeah. in a quite a powerful scene where she she hasn't read the letter, doesn't know that he's absorbed. Yeah. She she is still feeling a tremendous amount of anger about these billboards because she probably justifiably at that point thinks that he might have done a contributing factor to his suicide was that he felt guilt about the unresolved nature yes. of the crime. Yeah. But of course, that's quickly resolved for the audience when we have his voiceover reading saying that, you know, he knows that she's getting a load of shit about the billboards and he hopes she gets another he pays another month just so he, she can have another month of angst over there yeah you know, having put yeah. this up which is quite funny and his death does spark a lot of the the next sort of few sequences of the film because he's well it's genuine grief isn't there across the yeah. town but yeah. sp- specifically in the uh police department yeah and there's actually quite a touching moment where dixon the racist arsehole is told what's happened well, there's loads of howling and crying in the in the station, but he's listening to music. He doesn't know, does he? He's listening uh, to Abba. Yeah, yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah, it's- <laughs> which my wife pointed out, which I'll bring up again later. Yeah, so he Dixon is sort of held by that guy you were just trying to think of the name of in the mm. toilets. You know, it's a real consoling and that sort of animal outpouring of grief. And then what happens next is well, he'd actually, extremely he'd, shocking. He'd fainted, hadn't he? He says, he says if you, yes. can you stand? Yeah, he says, well, don't fucking faint again. But then, yeah, like you say, next the next sequence is quite... Yeah. Uh, it's the- very well done as well. Like from a directorial point of view, you follow Dixon yeah. as he leaves the police station across the across the main street opposite to where the where Red Welby sits, who the guy who rents out the billboards and the camera follows him as he goes up the stairs and sort of Well before he before he goes up before he goes up the stairs, you see a a guy in a suit standing there watching him Mm. who means more the end. Yes. Yeah. So and he goes up and then assaults Welby and throws him out of a window and it's all done with a real take. immediacy and in yes it's one continuous take and it, it's so raw and immediate you feel like you're there watching this happen like yeah, pistol over the guy's him. shoulder and then he punches the young girl in the face on the way it's a really awful violent attack and then he strolls back into the police station past the character you mentioned howie which turns out to be lester freeman from the wire yeah <laughs> who and is the new incoming he- Police he actually chief. says, I, I assault white folk too or something like that as he walks past someone, doesn't he? Yeah. So he knows he knows exactly what he's doing. Although he's obviously in the heat of the moment, it's a properly violent. 
they're quite good in this film of showing the the violence in a sort of because I don't know if you caught a glimpse of the guy's face when he pistol whipped oh, it. So it was it was pretty grim, and they they almost completely lifted the the hood off Woody Harrelson as well. You saw a lot yes. of brain matter on the floor. It was fucking grim. Well, I um, think it's 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 done very detailed. It's not shown for very long, and that no. retains its power. Yeah. And all the violent moments are built up to, or they come out of nowhere, and they're very effective for that. I uh, wasn't sure if he was going to survive that. Red Welby. I thought he might have might have been dead on the floor. I he, thought that too. As he mm. descends and walks across the street, you can see him crawling around. I, didn't, mm. <laughs> I was expecting to hear someone say phone and ambulance or something, but everyone's just kind of <laughs> staring, you know. Yeah, and think, then after this, we, we get another really chilling scene, which is Mildred is at work. Oh, Dixon is obviously fired. Fired. Yeah. Although it does take him a while to work out that he's being fired and then takes a good minute and a half to try and find his badge, which he doesn't have. And then we cut to Mildred in her store and this, this is, is a, a horrible scene yeah but this is also a bit where i was like not sure it entirely was justified because it seemed like insert person here i wasn't sure it seemed a bit too what was well, you could reason? feel the plot yeah. creaking a bit yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's i was just thinking why does he know her name was it because he saw it on the tv report or it did seem it, yeah now you mention it it is a bit because clunky i was thinking well this is the guy you know yeah i'm still sort of think that this is the guy even though the film makes clear it couldn't possibly have been him but like you say why would he why would he give a shit like why like what's it got to do with him if he's just because he's just a fucking psycho though well he he? was yeah i suppose he is a psycho but you know that the way that scene like you say is this guy is clearly unhinged and he goes. Only, I don't think we said what happens, have we? That he goes. Well, she works. She works he, in some kind of gift shop, doesn't she? It's a bit mm, of a kind mm. of sort of general bric-a-brac kind of place, and he's just sort of perusing the items on the shelf. But you know, he's not the kind of guy to buy. Was it? He picks up a, 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 an ornamental little rabbit thing or something. Mm, yeah, and asks how much it is. But you can tell there's the definite sinister undertones in this scene, yeah. which he and it launched. culminates in him telling Mildred that he was or does he tell her or just insinuate that he was responsible for the crime of murdering and raping and killing her her daughter awful yeah it's grim she's saved by the bell as her colleague enters the store so dixon's had a phone call from the fella that we can't remember where we've seen him from before saying he has a letter (laughs) he has a letter from the captain it's in the station but probably best he doesn't come to get it right away yeah. because everyone's in the station but he's still got keys so he lets himself in it's amazing wasn't it he's still got keys um, still got keys to the police station even yeah. though he's been come fired in. come in so all the while he's reading this letter and it's a very sort of motivational it's, a, it's a, obviously a bit of a father figure to him and he's the letter saying you know you can still you make it you need to just change some behaviours and blah, blah 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 and all the while that he's reading it we can see Mildred is upstairs with four or five Molotov cocktails. <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't know he's in there. No. No. But she, she, rings has, tw- she rings twice, but he's got his headphones in. He's again, he's front. oblivious because he's got, he's got this favourite music on. So she is just launching these. And she's a great shot, to be fair. She's launching I these. I thought that, yeah. At, at the police station, which, it, again, it's this sort of strangely comedic moment because he's just sitting there reading this letter oblivious and there's this massive inferno going on behind him (laughs) sort of preposterous but you know it does culminate with him 
it's quite key because he gets this letter saying, you, you know, you can still make it because he wants to be a detective, I think, but he's clearly yes, not he does, yeah, quite not. clued up enough to make it. But he, he takes everything on board. And whilst the fire, well, he does realize everything's on fire. He rescues the case file mm. of the, the, yeah, the, the dead girl. But it, all the while getting out, he does get some pretty serious burn injuries. He does. He, he gets really awful injuries. I was shouting at the telly for him to use a fucking fire extinguisher. Yes. At this point, Peter Dinklage turns yes. up. He had been in the movie before, but now he Playing turns Paul. up to play a role where he essentially is the alibi for mm. Mildred. Um, on, the, on the condition that she goes to dinner with him. Mm. But I'm not yes. going to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Dixon is then taken for treatment for his burns. He's completely wrapped up head to foot and he's placed in the same hospital room as Welby, Red Welby, the guy yeah. he assaulted earlier, which... Seems like really bad planning, let's yeah. be honest, from yeah. the hospital. Uh, and then there's this sort of touching scene, which I think speaks to thematically what the movie's about when Welby, Red Welby, realises who it is, because obviously his face is completely obscured mm. by bandages. He doesn't realise who it is, but he gets him an orange juice and a straw. Well, he offers, he, him, he offers him an orange juice first. Yeah. And he does, he, you know, Dixon says, I'm sorry. And he, he's all confused, like, sorry, what for? And, uh, you know, that it, he obviously twigs that who it is, but he still gives him the orange juice because you mm. think, oh, God, what's he going to do to him? Is he going to... Mm. I thought he was going to, like, smear all the bandages across his burns or something. Oh. But, but he, he's better than that. He's this act of sort of forgiveness. He, mm. I, I don't know if I'd have that in me, to be honest with you. It's terrific performance from Sam Rockwell there because he's... You can only see his eyes, and yet there yeah. is an amazing amount of acting going on there. Yeah, it's very good. Meanwhile, Mildred goes on a date, is that right now? With uh well, yeah. dinner. At dinner. Yes, she goes on dinner with Peter Dinklage. Well, she and she's she's uh, having a conversation and she spies her ex with his 19-year-old girlfriend who is yeah. beyond bit air, stupid. Bit of an airhead, isn't she? Samara Weaving from two pretty decent horror movies, Netflix's The Babysitter and probably a bit better than that, Ready or Not. It's also pretty good. So Samara Weaving fans, try that out. Okay. And that's the scene where the ex-husband admits that it was him who... Who burnt down the billboards, that's right. burnt down the billboards. And if there's a lot of scenes where you think they're going to go one way, but actually Mm. don't quite play as you expected. So you think she's going to... Smash a bottle over. Go go nuts in because he's also told her earlier on that we've not mentioned that just before she died, the daughter had asked to go and live with him, and he throws that in her face and says, "If she, if you'd fucking said yes, you know, if she'd come and live with me, she'd still be alive now." And it's really fucking painful thing to say to her, and so she's there's a lot of anger there, and in the end, she calms herself down. And she just gives him the bottle of wine and says, "Just look after your girlfriend, you know, don't be an asshole." Yeah, um, that's what she says, isn't it? Yeah, and, and she's just said something really fucking stupid and uh, daft as well. And you're thinking this guy is just having a fucking midlife crisis. And he, but he's, we, we've we've not spoken that earlier on in the film. He comes around the house, and his behaviour towards her becomes is revealed in that as violent. soon as there is he is super violent to yeah. her and the whole conflict is broken up by the son holding a knife to his throat and mm. his girlfriend walking him going hi is, is is this the right time to ask can i use the toilet <laughs> and it's this weird 
weird moment of utter horrific violence, family family tension, and then the bizarre comedy of just this girl walking and asking to use the toilet. But he's an awful character. He's, he's ex-police as well, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, he's an yes, ex-policeman as well. Yeah. Dixon, who has now suddenly, I'm not really sure what kind of time period this has taken place in, but has suddenly healed quite dramatically from his wounds, mm. even oh, though still, being still very disfigured, then goes to a bar and he overhears a man the guy who threatened Mildred earlier, talking Bragging. about having raped and killed a girl in the same manner as her, as his as Mildred's daughter, he then provokes a weird sort of fight with the guy where he scratches a whole load of skin mm. and well, then gets the shit kicked out. DNA. Of him. His sort of his police skills go up a notch here because he goes outside for Siggy and clocks the license plate, mm. so he knows where the guy's from, and then he he's kind of staring at them and just kind of being awkward to provoke this this fight eventually sitting down and you know, like you say he scratches his face which i didn't get initially i thought that was a strange way to divide but obviously he's trying to get the dna but he does get a right fucking kicking it's oh, he does yeah, probably Any, it. anyone into forensics here i wondered why he didn't just take the two bottles that were on the table that the guy had been drinking from yeah that would have worked it seems a bit of an easier way to do it than but I, maybe that if you're listening and you're a violent psychopath or a forensics person, perhaps you could let us know. He could have he could have uh, played like a uh, a gay role and given him a hand job as well. Could have done that. That'd have been less violent. Well, it's funny you should say that because I think there were more than a few hints over the film that Dixon was gay and was repressed. There's a scene where he's talking. He lives with his mother, and there's a scene where he's talking with his mother, and she says something about oh, yeah. the fancy women, and he says there's no such fancy women. Of the whole line about if you took out all the racists, all you'd have is the um, ones who hate the homosexuals or repressed homosexuals, maybe. And also he was listening to ABBA, which yeah. I think is the main right. thing for me because, you know... Ab- if you ABBA, listen to ABBA, you must be a you, homosexual. Yeah, yeah. It must be. Must be. Yeah. <laughs> but but with Dixon, though, this... This is kind of towards the end of um, his redemptive arc. Yeah. But it's it, as the story progresses, it's not a complete full circle of a stereotypical sort of character redemptive arc narrative because what he aims to do once he's got this DNA evidence and he announces to Mildred that he's got it and what he's done and she says thank you, it, it's then revealed that due to... The fact that this guy was in the military, his commanding officer has said that he wasn't in the country, which I think leaves it open to what Reeves was mentioning, which is I think we can either assume it's a cover up or he actually wasn't in there. It, it turns out that both he and Mildred then basically decide to go on a little road trip, which obviously involves an estate, a load of shotguns and a, an attempt to find this killer. Well, yeah, we get the the phone calls quite upsetting because he, he phones her and, and has to break the news that it's the not DNA the guy. doesn't match. And so she's obviously devastated because mm. this potential closure is now just as far away as it was before. But they agree to go on this road trip. He says, "I've got a I've got a gun," and then you get them going away on this road trip, but both with pretty big doubts about whether this plan of just rocking up to the guy's house and shooting him dead. Is the right thing to do. It's 
the kind of ending that Meek hates, this this ambiguous, because they just say, well, let's... Well, well it just- sort of sets up this idea that they're going to kind of go cross-country and kill bad guys, like a sort yeah, of vigilantes. vigilante team. I think the um, thinking is that although he may not be the, the perpetrator of this particular crime, he certainly has... This, this is his MO, you know? Yeah, but there's no... I mean, you said a redemptive arc for Dixon. There is no redemption for Dixon, really. He's still a violent lunatic. He's just slightly yeah, but it's, channeled. He it means well. He means well, well now. <laughs> he, he means well. I like the way uh, in the car she says, I need to tell you it was me that torched the police station. Yeah. And he's like, well, who yeah, the hell else up. was it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I didn't think they were going to go and kill anyone. That's I, the way I interpreted it. But it doesn't really matter, does it, I suppose? I like the way they just say, well, let's just decide on the way. Like They're going yeah. for something to eat. Fancy yeah. Italian or Chinese? Well, we'll or murdering decide. some guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. He's this is an acting tour de force, this yeah. movie. All of the main characters are sensational, I think it's fair to say. Francis McDormand, as you said right at the beginning, how he is, is amazing in this as a woman tormented by her grief and anger. But most of it is internal. It's always, you know, you can see the pain underneath the surface, but it's it's just the curl of a lip fighting back tears or a glance to a side or, yeah, it's it's all small stuff, but she is simmering, like you said. Willoughby, Harrelson is amazing in this. Sam Rockwell is, is really good with putting a little bit of depth to what was otherwise a fairly one-note character. You know, the list goes on and on, those three themselves though are all brilliant i don't know if they won awards but they really should have done they were fantastic i thought she got the oscar didn't she She got the oscar didn't she how the fuck did i miss all this <laughs> i've um, never heard of it i love Frances mcdormand i think she's absolutely wonderful she doesn't really have a bad film performance i can think of off the top of my head she's incredible and also married to joel cohen makes her like just the perfect cinematic marriage it's mm. just absolutely incredible um, a really big fan of Sam Rockwell. I think he's he's great, and uh, this is probably the best role I think I've seen him in to date. Woody Harrelson, I've always been a bit not dislike him. I just say he's just someone who's around. But in this, especially the way he went out, it was mm. fucking like so, gut punch. Yeah, it was blown away. It was incredible. He's always a really charismatic guy. So. Mm. To play someone who was like the standout charismatic guy in amongst all these assholes, and then go out like that was just like, oh man, that was fucking have you, hard um, to take. Have you watched him in True Detective, the first series? I haven't seen it yet. Ah, uh, now strongly recommend it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, what's it, eight parts, easy to burn mm. through during these times. Get that, get that under your belt, and it's really you. I actually, I like the whole, all of the the True Detective series, but Woody Harrelson one with Matthew Mahogany Head is brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, the budget for this was just fifteen million dollars. Wow, which seems like nothing to me. So, what do you reckon, winner or loser at the box office? Oh, uh, winner, winner. Yeah, it's a big winner. One hundred and sixty mil. Wow, which is pretty decent for a film about a rape homicide. You a big fan of Google Street View? Yeah, definitely. Why? What have you found for us? Because when they were making this film, 
it just so happened that the Google Street View car was driving around. So if you go on to Google Street View for this town, which is, there's no such town called Ebbing, Missouri. It's got all the crew and everything like that working on the film as they're no way. going around taking photos. So well, that's mildly that's interesting. Good, that's a good Google Street View trivia. Yeah. What's where was it shot? So you just you just need to find out where it was shot, and then you just guesswork it. I have got it written down somewhere. Silver, North Carolina, S Y L V A. They've spelt that wrong. Yeah, ample evidence of crew, including set decorations, second assistant directors, gaffers. Property's been worked on on the main street. Dressing crew can be seen putting up plywood on on the burnt building. I like the fact that the mystery around what happened to Angela is both unresolved and overshadows but doesn't dominate this story. Mm. The movie's not really interested in a cat and mouse. You know, there is a there is a sort of through line of trying to catch the person that did this, but the movie doesn't go that way. It's not about that. It's about cause and effect that more than it is about crime yeah. and resolution. Although having said that, we get a brief glimpse of the case file where you see not only was she raped and killed, but she was burnt as well. And wow. and you see the ground is still kind of scorched. dark and scorched where it went down. So it's fucking gruesome crime. Mm, awful. Uh, on that cheery note, there's also Martin Madonna has a a white rabbit in all of his films. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Oh, was that what the what where what is it in this? Gift shop. Yeah, I wondered if it was the gift shop rabbit. The seven dollar gift shop rabbit. Yeah, it would be. It would be that, yeah. It's something to look out for in all of his films. A bit like John Woo has doves, doesn't he? Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And there's all uh, this <laughs> The tortoise kind of took me out of the film a little bit. In this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sleep, yeah. Well, the old, the old racist, dear, horrible woman, mum. Just How the fuck was she asleep? Oh, my God, I thought, she, I thought she was dead. I thought that was going to be another one as well. <laughs> Fucking hell, awful people. This was kind of inspired by real billboards. That were used in this way? Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's a town called Vidor. The IDOR, Texas, just outside of Beaumont. The police again hadn't found anyone for this crime, and so this sort of this billboards went up, and they're still there on Interstate Ten. All uh, right. Wow. So yeah, you probably see those on Google oh, Street well, View as well. Yeah, that's kind of gruesome. So should we wrap up? Yep. Howie, were you not entertained? Yeah, I was. Brilliant. I thought it was just. Well, I. I, I I, I I can't believe I missed it first time round. I am pathetic. <laughs> Riggs? I had actually seen this movie before, which was quite rare for me for this. And I did really like it. And I still do really like it. The acting is, is really fantastic. I think even though it was only made in 2017, it's already aged really, really badly. Because I think it's really difficult you know, although the larger point about how anger corrodes the soul is, of course, like really interesting. I don't think you're really in a good place right now to watch a movie about police racism, which isn't really interested in the issue of police racism. And ultimately, that whole element of it is is unexplored in this movie. And given what happened over the summer, mm. probably, you know, it would be a very different movie. So in that sense, it's aged really badly. But no, it's it's terrifically funny considering it's not a comedy, but it will emotionally, it will hit you like a ton of bricks. 
acting is is absolutely amazing yeah great film yeah i really enjoyed it it was my missus couldn't carry on with it after woody harrison's exit from the film but um in spite of that though like you say there were some some very amusing moments not least when um she's driving past the news reporter and yeah interjects <laughs> with some choice language that was fucking brilliant a trio of fucking great performances as we mentioned and one that i'm uh, very happy that you nominated harry well done Howie, you nominated this week for the Kids' Choice and you nominated a film, you cruel bastard. Yeah, I did, but there was a, a reason on. behind it. But, like you're going to say, it's really good. There was a reason. <laughs> Go on, what's the reason? The reason was my kids were going nuts and I wanted to put something on TV that would last nearly two hours so I could basically <laughs> vegetate in a, in a pit of despair because I'd been... I'd walked them the length of the local sand dunes and tried to wear them down and it hadn't worked. They're like dogs. Mm. They just get fitter. Yeah, yeah uh, you just so, need to run them and run them and run them, yeah, don't you? Uh, and they, they, I think I just riled them rather than run them. And yeah. so I chose the fucking... Any, it goes against anything I would ever choose normally and that's why I chose it. We Can Be Heroes. A Bizarrely, it was, made, it was 2020 American superhero film written and directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's a standalone sequel to The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D. It stars... Yeah, important stars, plot point though, it's actually set in an alternate continuity. Oh, yes, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it is set in the same universe as the Machete films. <laughs> Wow. Which is really something. It stars Priyanka Chopra Jonas, who's the villain out of Baywatch. Oh, man, she is fit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, she fe- cannot act. Can no, she? Just, no. It features actor. it features shockingly the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal, uh, various other people, and, and bizarrely, Christian Slater. Um, yeah. It was released on Christmas Day on Netflix. Uh, so if you've got a, a superhero daughter of Pedro Pascal called Missy. And due to various events that go on involving aliens or something, she gets shoved into a bunker to protect the children of the superheroes who have got to go and save the world again. And they get shoved into like a lockdown crash for annoying kids. And the children are introduced as Wheels, who's, <laughs> by the way, surprisingly in a wheelchair. Oh, right, honestly... They called the kid in a wheelchair well, wheels. wheels. Who I... possesses super intelligence, noodles who can stretch his body, Ojo who is mute and draws on an iPad, Acapella who is oh, the most fucking annoying one, who moves, <laughs> by, by, who moves objects by singing, and then the weirdest one, which was Slow-Mo, whose dad was super quick, but he was always in slow motion. I didn't understand what was going on there. No, I didn't understand his yeah. time, but he, his yeah. was probably the best power. Well, well, no, the best power was coming up in a minute. There was rewind and fast forward twins that can alter time through like doing when the weird, plot needs them to. Plot yeah. needs yeah. them. <laughs> the, the the worst one, the best one was face maker who can make any face. That yeah. was his super. Imagine that's your superpower. What can you do? Oh, look, I look like you. So you're a mirror. Oh yeah. Wild card who has immense power but no control over it. 
and Guppy, the kid, who my kids loved, who has yeah. shark oh strength. Oh, my God. And they can shape water into anything. The kids watch the battle between the aliens and heroics. That's the name of the superheroes on TV. And it all ends with the heroics being captured. Missy realises that the one who doesn't talk, who draws on the iPad, Ojo's drawings tell the future five minutes in advance. And they realise the aliens are coming for them. So when the drawing shows the aliens breaking into the vault, the kids hatch a plan to escape. And all sorts of shit shenanigans take place yeah she Ooh, just she's just sort just of pre-cog to, isn't she yeah can we go back to <laughs> guppy for a minute yeah guppy. guppy she was a highlight wasn't she yes so yeah, she, this was shark girls no shark, shark boy. girl and lava boy no what is it? Right? Shark, shark boy lava girl. shark boy and lava girl's daughter yes mm. she goes why wasn't a... she either a lava shark or a boy girl don't know. You know, it's lucky it the way like it turned it sounds- out. Or like lava shark girl or shark lava boy. Mm. Like one is a shark sh- made of lava and the other is lava made of sharks. The shark gene must be dominant. But she was probably the most outright powerful in terms of strength. As- oh, I thought you were going to say the most outright hateful. Uh, no, <laughs> I was going to say that. But I hadn't got on it yet. <laughs> um, certainly the most irritating. Yeah. What I think is quite strange is that this is a Robert Rodriguez thing because he can obviously make a decent film and is a very talented guy but this and I know he's got previous with all these these other things that he likes to just make these things for his kids I suppose yes but it was fucking horseshit I do I mean, think most of it was I know most of it was it was made this year so most of it must have been made in a really just green screen environment not near anybody it must have been a hell of a thing to even produce and make because of the the, the oh, really? because of all the restrictions it looks it, like it cost about 6 pound 50 basically yeah, the whole thing so the together. three the three well, most Christian dominant it, for God's sake. the three most dominant characters would be noodle mm. that yeah. fucking acapella who just <laughs> Who sang to get them lifted up in the Willy Wonka yeah. lift. And uh, <laughs> and Guppy, because basically their powers cost nothing to do. So Noodle... <laughs> Singing. Noodle Singing. basically did everything because just stretching his arms was about as cheap and budget, especially, sorry, VFX, that you could possibly do. Other yeah. than inexplicably having singing make you give things the ability well, to fly. Well, but I did a little bit of research, Sidey, and acoustic levitation is in fact a real <laughs> phenomenon oh. that uses sound waves to counteract gravitational force. But here I hear you cry. The effect actually utilizes supersonic frequencies, which are extremely high pitched rather than low pitched mm. waves. So I assume they didn't do it that way to avoid agitated dogs from attacking the children on set. Exactly. Exactly. And. And and if we're still talking about superpowers, can you explain slow mo? What was no. it? What, what, so his dad was super no. quick. And then in the in the climax as well, he's like his special power is being in slow motion, and yet they speed him up. Yeah. I thought that because they say they say in his intro, he's too fast for us to see, or something like that. So he's in a permanent sort of time vortex bubble thing. And I thought. <laughs> That's the setup for at some point in the film. That's going to be important, and they will fuck that off. But they never do. No. <laughs> well, they chuck him down a pit, and he falls slowly. That's in your superpower. Yeah. You yeah. fall in slow motion. Now, I'm sure 
No, uh, scientifically, I'm sure if he fell in slow motion, you'd still impact the ground with full motion. Because then your f- power ends. As well, you yes, touch. you'd you'd retain yeah. inertia from the. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, make any sense. You're quite right. But having having people in your team who have the ability to wind back time means that you can never lose. Yes. So, Unless, the, yeah. so the first thing the villains would have to do is take him out because <laughs> it's like Thanos having the time stone. Is yeah. Whatever you do, will just get reversed. You're just fucked. Yeah. Until you've lost. So. They, they were always, his name was. always, always mm. from the start of this going to be triumphant because they had, apart from Missy, who didn't have any powers, did she? Other oh, than being, the power of, power being of leadership. Bossy, being bossy. Yeah, bo- they had, they, I suppose the point of it is teamwork makes the dream work. And once they uh. figured out how to work as a unit, but it was just fucking painful. The, the, I have to say, you alluded to it at the, at the start, Sidey, but Priyanka, whatever her bloody name is, she cannot act. For shit. Oh, she's absolutely awful in this movie. Is she, Very easy is, on the is eye, she in there? Dreadful. Yeah, yeah but is she, is she in there for the Dads. to get the to get the APAC audience? Yeah, you know, just go. I oh, think got... she must have been there to keep the dads happy because she was wearing yeah. an outfit that was, you know, she had a lot of cleavage on display, mm. which probably isn't there for the kids' market. Um, <laughs> and and she didn't have a an outfit changed. Yeah, she maintained that sort of slutty secretary look basically throughout the whole movie, <laughs> which basically I was all fine with. I would have been you'd have been happier if Christian Slater had had the slutty secretary look because I felt sorry. He what was he doing? He's got has he been in got, any other ones? Has he been in anything? Has I he been in anything? When was the I last time know. you saw Christian Slater, Mister Robot? It's, it's pretty weird oh, when okay. you've got this film that's mostly made out of people you've never seen before in children mm. that you've never seen before and then suddenly you've got pedro pascal who's one of the hottest <laughs> actors in the world right yeah, now. yeah i've just seen him in wonder woman 84 and he's probably the best thing in that barely use him and he dials in christian slater he, he phones that in he dials he in a few in. lines you know when yeah. crusty um goes into the recording booth in the simpsons to record his yeah. line <laughs> That's that's the equivalent. Is just literally right. What have we got to say? Bang, bang, bang. That's done. Fuck off. See you later. Christian Slater is bizarrely in it. The the dude from Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Oh he's god, in Diesel. He's no. in it for some reason. Um, oh, it, that wasn't the guy, the father of slow mo, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because we knew he was funny. Repeating one of my most hated things from a few weeks ago, we knew he was funny because he moved in fast motion. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it's um, he must have been tied into some contractual uh, obligations to have been in that. The worst thing about this film, the very worst thing about this film, is that my kids really liked it. My daughter oh loved it as well. Oh my god, society! <laughs> what they have, they know what they're doing. This is the disturbing thing. My kids laughed. They loved it. They they said, "Is there going to be any extra ones?" I was like, "I don't know." Uh, especially if I cancel my Netflix subscription. Um, yeah, don't tell them about <laughs> Shark Boy and Lava Girl and all that shit yeah. because you'll be stuck. Oh. Uh, but this is the one of the things that really pains me is when you mention this and people will say, "Well, you know." It's just a kid's thing, as if like there can't be any quality or like mm, yeah. care taken about making something. Like, let's just put any old fucking shit out because kids are mugs and they'll watch it. Um, yeah, exactly. It's a kid's movie. It's not a good argument for a terrible movie. And just because something is like inept, moronic garbage yeah. doesn't mean it should be. I've always thought the same thing. And there are plenty <laughs> of examples of kids' stuff that's absolutely brilliant. 
like yes. Ups ID, for instance. Or, um... <laughs> and then to top it all off, to make us even more angry dads, it's got one of those, and it was all a dream endings, where we know it's like, oh, and surprise, the reveal is Ojo is an alien, and the actual reveal is this is just a test. It's a training I mission. had to watch, yeah. sadly as well, I had to watch the ending about five times because I kept like, <laughs> there's a bit where, what's that fucking thing called? Guppy. Yeah. She's got the liquid metal shark that she makes out of nowhere. And then they go to the pyramid and they take it off. For some reason, the minute and a half that happens around there, <laughs> I like rewound it to watch it and then just completely phased out. <laughs> So I was like, all right, I don't know what happened. I'll rewatch that. So I rewind it a minute and a half, just totally phase out again as soon as I've done it. But, I'm like, oh, but, God, but I don't know what's happened. But they, they must, that's cleverly designed so that kids just go, oh, it must have been good because it's over or something. There was, there was lots of flashing lights. That's what lights. my wife said about when we, the conception of our children. <laughs> well, lots of flashing lights. No, it must have been good because it's over. <laughs> There's nothing to redeem this, really. I mean, Okay, my daughter did like it, so I suppose it's got that going for it. But like you say, it's just shiny and colourful. There's not really anything that it teaches them other than maybe a bit of teamwork, I suppose. But really, it's just a bit of a shameless kind of, I don't know. I don't, franchise I don't, starter. That's well, a fra- it's, it's a franchise well, it's, starter. It's a franchise continuation because it's... Although you say I it's think seven. it's really weird, though, because in, cause Shark Boy and Lava Girl... Was a 2005 movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's like, and it was played by kids, obviously, at the time. In fact, yeah. one of them was Taylor Lautner, is yeah, that his was, name? Yeah. The guy from yeah, yeah. Twilight. Um, Twilight, yeah. yeah. So now he's a huge star. But obviously they've gone like, here's these kid characters that you saw in 2005. Hey, they grew up and fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. And I was kind of hoping that, because Taylor Lautner's not in this is Shark Boy and Shark Boy is really annoying. I don't know if he was annoying in the original thing. I think a better way for them to have gone would have been to have had him brutally murdered at the beginning and then Guppy going off to Avenge my father. Avenge, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe even better would be to have Guppy brutally murdered. Yeah. Because there was no fate that would have been too hideous for her. Robert Rodriguez directed one of the episodes of The Mandalorian. And I think really? he oh probably God. extracted a better performance out of Pedro Pascal in that than he did in this. He's also Ooh. going to be doing the whole of the book of Boba Fett when that comes out. Oh, Ooh. is he? Yeah. Okay. So obviously, I like that's he's... that's why I don't really sort of understand is that he's, you know, he's a he's a creative, talented bloke, and occasionally just veers into this territory where he's just content to put out any old fucking bullshit i don't really get it <laughs> yeah, show then, me the money howie's kids loved it your kid yeah, loved it. i haven't I let mine seen it but i think she probably would so but someone as a filmmaker you know and he does everything he writes he edits he does the you know does everything on his production so for me i would want to make something that i thought or he probably maybe he does but uh, you know i would want to make something that's that stood up that was fucking really good you know in the way that like pixar stuff Certainly, the mm. classic ones is great for the whole family. This isn't great for the whole family at all. One bit. This is this is enjoyable for the kids of a certain age, and that is it. Like mm. because they don't fucking. Know. Yeah, I have to say, two thousand and five. I think it was Sky High with Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston is a far superior movie that takes on the same sort of scene where it's young kids growing up with superpowers, that sort of thing. Okay. 
I'd rather watch that movie than this one. I'd rather watch anything than this, to be honest. I know it's it makes me a really bad human, but I pissed myself laughing when they introduced the kid in the wheelchair as wheels because it was just like the lowest rent joke that you could possibly have you're gonna have to oh, edit all this i've just you, but- no, no i've just remembered a fact about the kid that played wheels that was bizarrely linked he plays ralphie in the tv and stage adaptation of that bloody christmas film that we watched scrooged no a christmas story that yeah the Christmas wow. story. So Ralphie, yeah. So he plays the the TV ver- made for TV version and the theatrical Broadway style play thing. Did you note the name of the planet where the aliens come from? No, no. Ogima, right? It's Amigo, spelt backwards. I didn't get it. It was a very e- eclectic looking cast, wasn't it? I mean, you had a. Everybody was in there, weren't they? It ticked a lot of boxes. Yeah. You mean it was casting by sort of tick box of got to have? No, I'm no, I, I'm not being that cynical. I'm just saying they were a very varied team. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I can't get over how irritating Guppy was and how annoying Acapella was. And I did get about half an hour in. I thought, please don't do the fucking David Bowie thing. Please don't fucking do it. Yeah. And they fucking did it. And it was, it was one of the most excruciating things I've had to fucking sit through. It was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. It was, yeah. wasn't it? It was what, so Are you talking bad. about David Bowie? Or? Oh, I knew he'd say that. Yes. Predictable material from Riggs, as usual. So let's say overall then, Howie, were you not Mm. entertained? I wasn't. My kids were, which means it's a children's success. Great success. Riggs? No, this was garbage. Did your kids watch it? No, I I might let Ella watch it though, but she might enjoy it. But no, it's horseshit. Mind-numbing garbage. Yeah, one third of our household really enjoyed this and uh, (laughs) two thirds... Not as not quite so much. No, not for us. Thanks for that, chaps. That was another fun week of film chat. I need to go and wash my hands because I've somehow managed to get battery acid all over them. Riggs, nice. what are we what are we what are we looking at next week? Top five is top five fridges. Oh, nice, great. Main feature is American Mary, which is on Netflix at the moment. And the kids' feature is going to be Blue Peter. Oh, nice. Classic. So probably this week's episode, something like that. But we'll we'll chat about which specific episode. All right, cool. That's a classic. Cool. All right, nice one. I will go and wash my hands. So Sidey is signing out. Reads out. Have a goodbye. (laughs)